This is part two with Don Elgin. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on Your Impactful Journey. Thanks for tuning into part two of Don Elgin's fun and insightful journey. If it's been a while since you listened to part one, just a reminder, Don is a two-time Paralympian, Para World Championships gold medalist. He's a motivational speaker, board member for multiple charities, founding director of Star Amp Global and a father of four. Please remember to give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast. It truly is the way that I can continue providing this value to you. Enjoy. And what are you most grateful for today? Most grateful today, without question, is my four kids. Like I get the opportunity to to see my influence and, you know, to hear your own words come back but genuinely owned by somebody else, your own kids. Like that's that's pretty bloody egotistical, but it's a great feeling to know that you've influenced your kids to believe that they can be happy, they can have a crack and they don't have to be the best on on the world at anything but if they pursue it they possibly could be and that without question is my is my most grateful thing every day and I think recently another opportunity for me to share about gratefulness is having done the Kokoda track and realizing that when I got to the end and I I looked around at the Bamana War Memorial and 3,600 plus graves and I'd outlived all of these guys, they'd given what they did so that I could have the life I do. It reminds me that I've got to do more with the life I've got. Just explain for the international listeners here, what what is the Kokoda Trek and talk us through how the experience opportunity came about and what, what it means to you to have accomplished that. Yeah, the Kokoda track or the, the story of Kokoda is, well, it's like any war story. There's there's times in every single war when there's battles and there's there's land to be claimed. And we were, Australia were in the, uh, in the process of, of uh, defending the Japanese that were going to attempt to invade Australia uh, in the Second World War. And we sent a group of literally bloody B-grade um, army reservists off to Kokoda, uh, Papua New Guinea, to um, protect our shores. And these guys didn't really think they were in for for in a real combat situation, and it turned out that they were in for um, something far greater than that. Yeah, the the Kokoda Trail is uh, is a absolute significant part of Australia's history and the truth is I mean we walk around and and English is still our our first language here in Australia but had those um, brave men not not won that battle then there's no question Japanese would be the language we'd be all speaking today so yeah an incredible time for Australia's history and I'm really proud to have uh, been asked to walk the track as a leader 
in in 2016 with a corporate group and it really changed my life. I come back, I went away with a group of strangers, I come back with great mates. I thought, well, if that can happen with your mates, what could it do with the people you already love? So I said to my wife, my two eldest daughters, I said, do you want to do the, you want to do Kokoda? And in a heartbeat, you know, obviously I'd, I'd shared my stories about it when I got home. And the truth is I, I couldn't speak about Kokoda for three weeks after I got home without crying. Like it was so emotionally. And even now when I think about it, it's, um, it's so powerful. It's the most amazing thing I've ever done in my entire life. And when my wife and the daughter said that they'd do it with me, it was bloody, was a big thing, mate. So then my, my father-in-law and my cousin, his wife and, and some good mates went over with me this year and, and we did it and it was such an amazing thing to see when you're there and, you know, my wife one night said to one of our daughters, where's your pillow? She goes, oh, I've given it to my porter. Why do you do that for? And she goes, well, because they don't have anything, you know, like, and we've got, at least we've got a tent to sleep in and you just go, shit. So like that was a really proud moment as a parent and both of my daughters gave their pillows and their, their beds to their uh, their porters to use and you just think that, oh, I think I'm taking them over there to learn about Australia yet I'll get to learn, you know, who they are as people. So yeah, it was a, um, a really humbling experience to come away this time. I didn't hurt anywhere near as much physically as I did. The first time I went over there, like four o'clock in the morning, I'd wake up to take painkillers knowing that in, you know, in an hour's time, I'd have to wake up, put my leg on and walk 12 hours during the day up hills, down hills. And I'd rub skin off my leg. I had an infection on my stump. Like I was, I was in a bit of trouble the first time around and like I'd, my foot blistered and I'd, I'd lost two toenails. It was, um, it was tough. Whereas this time I was just better prepared and I was, uh, really grateful for the opportunity. And so it's twice now that I've done the, the crossing and I thought, well, effectively it was 10 people in both groups and, and that's 20 lives that were, have been changed, you know, on the back of doing Kokoda. I thought, well, if I could gather enough, enough interest to take another 10 people over every year for another eight years, that's 10 crossings, that's 100 people's lives that I will have helped influence or facilitate that change and growth in them. So I've committed to doing it another eight times and, and really looking forward to uh, already next year, March, to, uh, to do it again. So... Kokoda is eight days, correct? Yeah, we did it over eight days, so seven nights, eight days. Okay. 96 kilometres, and you get up to, I forget the heights you get up to, I think you only get up to about three or 4,000 feet, I'm not really, I can't remember. Um, it's river crossings, it's, um, I mean, you honestly, you spend a lot of your time looking down, you're walking through pretty much rainforest, like it's jungle. Um, you spend most of your time looking down because otherwise you're on your ass, like you, you just fall over. It's um, it's anything but flat. It's um, it only has probably in total about a hundred steps. Like it's it's literally hills. Um, and you look and you you can climb a gradient of of five meters within a distance of of three meters. Like it's sometimes you're climbing and you've got to go up and down that. You know, we're walking down one day on top of a mountain and it starts to rain by halfway down the mountain it's a stream like the water and the 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 volume of water is so incredibly fierce over there it's just it's bloody mind-blowing mate it's like no other place on earth you've obviously learned a lot from it and i asked your beautiful first wife uh, last week when we caught up what she learned from it and then i asked both your daughters tonight 
what they took from it. And something that really stood out to me for these young girls, 15 years old, 18 years old, and they both talked about what they learn about it, about themselves and that resilience from within them when they, those treacherous conditions that you talk about and they were tired and buggered and just wanted to give up, but they talked themselves through it. And that to me is a skill that is undoubtedly one of the best skills that you can learn as a person, let alone as a 15 and 18 year old. So I think to take them on an experience like that to learn it, I think you're a cruel dad. Mm. But <laughs> absolutely I am. No, not at all. I think it's I think it's a great learning curve. Now let's talk about your books. Mm. You've got two books out. First of all, why write a book? And then second of all, why let it take you this long before you wrote a book? <laughs> I had a my old man would was arguably my, my biggest fan and biggest critic. He's the most honest person that I know. And he'd say to me, mate, you should write a book. I'm going, I'm not writing a bloody book. You know, I'll pick up a microphone and have a chat. But I'm not writing a book, mate. That's not my thing. I ain't no author. And he said, you should write a book. And he goes, buddy, you know, people, other side of the world could be influenced by this. And I'm going, yeah, well, they should come to a gig. <laughs> and then... It was funny because at gigs, people would come and go, oh, if you got a book, I'm thinking, you just sat there for an hour and you listened to what I had to say and you want you want more, you want a bloody book, you've, you've just, you've had the real deal. And they go, yeah, I'd love to take it home and I'd love my kids to read it or I'd love my wife, or I'd love to share this. And and you sort of get, honestly, you sort of get a bit sick of hearing that. You think, I'm only being a lazy prick by not writing a book. So I started my first book in the year 2000. Uh, it took me 15 years to write my first book. And I'd, I'd sort of had piles of paper. I'd be flying. I'd just write things and then sort of get a bit frustrating because every time I'd fly, I'd go to the news agent and say, buy a book. And go, what am I bloody buying a book for? It should, it should be my book, you know? And so uh, there was like my – what took me to write my book was all these, all of those things combined to get to a point going, I, all I really want to do is share my story. And I'd been in a couple of other books and one that sort of hit home is I was in a book called Challenge Within. It was written by a Chinese doctor and I was just one chapter in that book. And he said to me, he goes, oh, Don, do you want to come to China and tour the book? And I'm going, shit, how bloody good would that be, mate? Yeah, this would be awesome. I'd love to. So off I go to China and I, I spoke at a university, the University of Aeronautics and Astronautics. So bloody rocket scientists, fair income. <laughs> I'm just going, how good is this, mate? And I thought, what could I possibly tell them? Like, it, let's be honest, if you're putting bloody rockets up in outer space and satellites and shit, you got more brains than little Donnie from Tokemon, mate. And I thought, actually, they got more brains than their little Tony. I've got my whole family. I thought, what could I honestly share with it? I felt like a bit of a fraud. I thought, I'm bloody Adam and depth here. They're going to be. I'm going to be caught out, fair dinkum. I thought, well, I'll just share my story, and I did. And what was really interesting was the feedback. How many of those Chinese students come to me and said, that's amazing, you know, it really got me thinking. And it, I thought, wow, the, the power that we have as humans, all I did there is share what I've had. So if we all shared, how much better would that be? So I figured that instead of being in books – I would share through my book. I would listen to my old man, listen to people in the gigs, and I would write my book. And so I teamed up. I knew that I was crashing and burning trying to do it by myself. I'd had a few cracks at it with other people. And then I, I got um, 
got working with Johnny Hoyne's daughter, actually. She was uh, with me, and unfortunately Johnny passed away. We were both there on his deathbed. And I asked Anne, I said, Anne, will you write my book with me? She'd been a school teacher and written a few things, a VCE French exam and stuff, so she's a smart woman. Anyway, she starts working with me to write, help me get this story, you know, put in a in some sort of book form. And she says, oh, I've got another guy I think it'd be worth you meeting. And I met Kevin, who's a guy that she was um, doing some editing for in another book. I got along with him and, and decided that, you know, I wanted him to work with me on the book and Anne said, I'm happy to edit it. So then we had what we needed to get the book done and was able to self-publish the book. And one foot on the podium, I, I ended up winning an award, a silver medal for best non-fiction in Australia, New Zealand region. And I just thought, bloody hell, you know, I thought athletes win awards. Well, I know athletes win medals, you know, for their, their sport. And I'd heard about wine and cheese getting medals, but I didn't know bloody books get medals. And here we are, I've read about four books in my life and I end up bloody writing two of them and one of them gets an award, mate. I'm jumping out of my skin. So I was pretty happy with that. And actually, I was stoked by that. I went over to America and I got my silver medal. And it's um, it's something that when I look back at now, I just go, that's a, uh, that's a cracker. And I was so fortunate too to, to realise that my journey, me being the happiest bloke I know, didn't just come about because one day I decided that's how I was going to be. It was a lot of influence from people. And so I ensured that in my second book, One Foot Beyond the Podium, that I wanted to make sure I took as many people and and, and thanked and, and shared the experience of of my life with, with those people in my book. So, I mean, there's always people who are going to be missed out, but what I really loved about it is my life's been so full of many Bloody amazing adventures, you know, like getting pulled over by the police for riding a motorbike with nothing but girl shorts on and a helmet and, you know, you sort of – those sort of moments, they're part of country life, I suppose, but they're the sort of things when you're writing a book that, that find their way in and all of a sudden you've got yourself a, this bloody great yarn that uh, people are enjoying and, and writing to me and saying, Don, that's a buddy, really enjoyed your story and – you know, it's made in some cases it's made them connect back with their families a bit more. It's it's um, the feedback has been phenomenal. But uh, really, really glad I went through the process of uh, of writing those books. Donny, a great attribute of yours is chatting and engaging with others, and I think uh, that's come across pretty pretty clearly today. What's some advice that you can give to people, to young ones particularly? in these generations that are coming through about being present and actually being able to engage? It's a really important question, that Robbo, and the reason I say it's important is because we were given a tongue in our mouth to be able to communicate with. We're not all able to do that, and for some of us we've had to learn sign language. And I heard years ago you got two ears and one mouth, so you should use them proportionately, listen twice as much as you talk. In reality, the average amount of words that every human uses every day is about 16,000 words. And so I figure I've got to listen to about 32,000 words to make sense of that. But I think what happens with us is that we get so absorbed in the next fad that we're forgetting who we are fundamentally as humans. We're people that want and need to communicate and be around other people. And if we don't do that, 
and least exercise the tools that we have to do that. So in other words, speaking, listening, if we only do it via text message, via our thumbs, then our thumbs, yeah, good, they can send a message, but they're not designed to do to to be the communicator yet they've become the communicator so i would say yeah exercise it and use it but really focus on the tools that we've got because they're best they're built for that and we should use that so being in the moment is what makes every moment special and i i once spoke to i was at a, a very very wealthy person's house and he was encouraging me to take on a business role and be in his business and he said to me, Don, if you do this, you'll have, you know, everything I've got here. And he's pointing around this amazing property, multi-million dollar property. And he was a bit taken back when I pointed to his little courtyard, little like um, sort of aviary area. And it had um, just one pane of glass there. And I said, you know what, mate? I said, see over there in that little garden area you got? I said, you could fill that up with shit. And I'd shovel it every day, and I reckon I'd still be happy. I said, because happiness for me isn't the, the multi-million dollar house. It's, it's being where you're meant to be. And wherever you're meant to be, if you're present in that moment, then it's going to be a lot of fun. And if you're present and the people that you're there with are present, it's an incredible amount of fun. So I'd say work on it. It's a skill, and it's one worth your learning. So I saw your bird aviary out there. Is that what it's out there for, to teach your kids that lesson, how to be in the moment? <laughs> it's a very empty bird aviary. My, I had a dog. My dog's name was Bullet, and one day I come out and Bullet got the better of the budgie. So <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't topped it up yet. <laughs> You're a motivational speaker. Thanks. I get called a lot of things. But well, yeah. actually, this is where I want to challenge you. Mm. Because you promote yourself as a motivational speaker, sorry, on your website, I do. and, and you're, you are hired as a motivational speaker. I believe you're more than that. See, motivation to me is an external beast that continually needs to be fueled. And I believe that you are more of an inspiration than a motivation. Because when you inspire people, inspiration comes from within. Motivation is more of an external. I'm not asking you to change that to uh, on your website, but just something for you to consider. Well, I'll challenge that. I I love and I I almost play the game here, and I allow myself to be a motivational speaker in terms of my marketing and and branding. The truth is, when I get introduced at a at a gig and and the bio's read out and someone says, and Don Elgin, motivational speaker, I stand up there and go, well, if I'm here as your motivation, then you're in the shit. Because the truth is, mate, I'm motivated and getting as much as I want out of and as much as I can out of every day, but that's my choice. That's not a speaker. That's not just some words coming down a podcast. That is my choice to go, right, I'll wake up today and say, right, today's going to be a great day. You know, I'm either going to have a great day or I'm going to have a challenge to have a great day. But my intention every day is to have a great day. And that that's not determined by what other people think of me and what what value they put on me. That's solely determined by what value I put on myself. And so as a motivational speaker, all I'm really wanting to do is I'm wanting to challenge people's way of thinking. I'm wanting you to allow me to come in and have a conversation with your mind, not pump you up and say you can do this, but I want to challenge you 
to change or explore the way you think, understand the way you think. But more importantly, I want to empower you to have the tools that I've had to be able to live a life that you want to live. I don't want everyone jumping out of bed going, this is a bloody great life. Because for some people, their bed's crap. <laughs> you know, For some people, their bed's awesome. They'd rather stay in it. For me, all I really want to do is challenge people's thinking and enable people to own their own life. Brilliant. Challenge accepted. I'm glad we'd raised the motivational speaker issue. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're getting close to wrapping this up. And uh, I'm all about people being able to take action after they invest their time. And people that are listening to this podcast have invested uh, a lot of their quality time. So I want to ask you, what's your advice on what action the people who are listening can take today to become more impactful in their lives and communities? And the second part of that question uh, is what, no, actually, there's not a second part of that question. Just go for it, mate. <laughs> What's some advice on the action they can take? Well, the a simple way to do it is is ask questions. Ask questions of the world, of the world that you're living. Ask questions of yourself. How how do you want to live this time that you have on this planet? How do you want it? Like, do you do you want to watch the world go by? Do you want to be a, a spectator? Do you want to get stuck in? Do you want to be the leader? Do you want to be the person, the front runner? Do you want some tools to help you do that? For me, I'm a realist, mate. I like to keep things simple. On my website, I literally have seven things Don does every day. Those seven things enable this to take place, this conversation, you to reach out and say, let's have a chat. There's something about you, Don. And those simple things, they are very, very simple. One is to smile. Like seriously, the easiest way to improve your looks is to smile. Well, just for the listeners out there, for a guy with a head like mine, that is bloody good advice. But what I would say though- And a great smile. It's so easy to do. And that in itself- has an influence on other people. If, you, if you're not sure what I'm saying, do this very simple thing. The next time you go to the shops, pick people out when you spot them up there and just do a whacking big smile. Just put a huge smile on your face. I will almost guarantee you that they'll smile back. You have had an influence on their day. And you know what? It's that easy to be an influencer, yet we think that it belongs to these motivational speakers, the leaders, to other people. We all can empower every day to be better. So that's one of the seven things. So I would say start with a smile and start, more importantly, with owning your own life. You only get one. Brilliant. I can't stop smiling. (laughs) (laughs) And you are better looking too for it, Robert. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Before we dive into the fast five questions that I actually haven't told you about, right? I've got something here that I want to give you, Don. This is a T-shirt. It's a, a life tee. It uh, says dare to stare on it. So this was designed by an amputee athlete that is an ambassador for life tees. Yes, lovely. That I think you know Sarah Walsh. I do. And the good thing is that 100% of the profits of these shirts that we sell go towards Limb for Life, Limbs for Life, who you're affiliated with. And because you haven't bought one yet, I'm going to give you one. Oh, see, I knew if I just waited long enough. Oh, that's gold. Thank you, mate. And thanks, Sarah. Because I tell you what, ladies and gents, just hear that name again, Sarah. Sarah Walsh. Sarah Walsh. And she's got an incredible coach. Who's her coach, Robbo? Look, I'll claim that. I am Sarah Walsh's coach. I tell you what, ladies and gents, when the next Paralympics come around, when you're looking for somebody who's who's just doing some really good things, 
you can there's some people you can put your money on it that they're going to have a crack and anyone in your stable is one of those people but more importantly Sarah I, I just love her energy and where she's heading with life I just really I had a good chat with her recently at a mobility clinic which is a whole lot of amputees come together to learn from other amputees I was one of the coaches in that and it's a yeah she's a real breath of fresh air I think you're doing a bloody good job mate so keep that up <laughs> thanks mate she is she's a beautiful soul with a beautiful family so uh, before we move on how can our listeners like where can they find more about Don Elgin oh well just do the Google seriously I don't hide like check me out I wear shorts and I cannot hide in shorts no go to all the W's donelgin.com.au so I've kept it very simple dad said mate if you're going to do anything just keep it simple and I thought, oh, I'll have a website. What'll I call it? How about I call it donelgin.com.au, mate? So we've got a, uh, we've got my website. I've got Facebook, the Don Elgin public page. It's got a nice little photo there, me wearing a suit. Um, so jump on that. You'll see the the book logos on there. I'm on Twitter, which is Don Elg17. I'm on uh, LinkedIn. Like seriously, I can't hide. So if you want me, you'll find me. I think my number's even out there too. But if it, if it's not, just I don't know. Send me an email. I'll send it to you. Like I've got nothing to hide. And how can our community? How can our listeners help you on your journey? Well, I tell you what. One of the uh, the most helpful things for me would be to share the love. Like I, I go through life wanting people to to enjoy the fact that they've got this opportunity, and I, I do what I can to encourage that. And so I figure the more people that I influence to share that message, just to share the love, um, you know, to to take what you've got and to have the courage to share it with other people, really will make a difference. Believe that you can make a difference, and that's a that's a huge thing. Um, I mean, if, if people want to know more, they can jump on my website. My books are on there. They're absolutely – I mean, I'd love you to buy a book. But what I'd really like, though, is I'd like that if you ever meet me, if you ever, sorry, see me, come up and say g'day. There's nothing that that floats the boat more of a, of a speaker, of a presenter, of a public person figure than when someone comes up and says, oh, g'day, mate, I heard your podcast with Robbo. I've seen you, you know, here. Like, you know, I remember every gig that I've done. I go through towns and I go, oh, I spoke at that school there. I spoke in that, you know, church or in that uh, that building there that's got, oh, got great decor. Like, I remember the places. And I love it when people come and they connect those two together and go, oh, Don, I really enjoyed your seven doors or your seven things or your, you know, I love it. So come and say good day. And I want to highly encourage everyone out there to buy Don's books, both of them. Mate, what about if we do something, speaking of smiling before, what about if if the listeners, if they buy one of your books from your website, what if you can put a private message in there to them, a signed copy and either a smiley face or something that's going to put that massive smile on their doll? Too right, I will. I'll tell you what, I'll – I will absolutely sign it. You'll know it's me. It'll have a little leg and a big smile. And I'll make sure that there is a personal message. So if if somebody wants to buy the books, how about we put a code? Let's create a code. Your we'll, your life of impact? I love it. The name of the podcast. Right. I will we will put this into the website so that when you go on the website or the w'sdonelgan.com.au and you go to the uh, the shop and you buy the book you put your life of impact in the code bit so just go through the process like you're going to pay and then it'll say code drop your life of impact in there and bang you'll watch the price come down giddy up mate. That's oh how good this i wasn't is. asking for no, a price but, reduction but that's what i'm going to love do. it i'm going to do that because i love it now that has put a smile on my face i'm sure all the listeners are smiling now and they're going to jump on there and grab a book or two all right, the way we're going to finish this off is with the fast five questions, okay? 
Now, you don't have to give yourself too much time to think about it. Just, I'll give uh, myself no time. There you go. All right. So there is no time limit either. Okay. What's one habit you wish you could change? I wish I didn't speed as fast on my motorbike. Oh. <laughs> Every single day. <laughs> what makes you feel absolutely pumped and exhilarated and energised? Oxygen. Have you ever washed a dog? Yeah. Simple. <laughs> What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? The one you knock back is the one you miss out on from mum. And what are you most proud of in your life right now? Four kids. Brilliant. Don from Donald, you're a legend. It's been a blast. Extremely grateful to be here in your company, in your home, and around the pride of you and your family. We'll definitely have to do this again sometime in the future. Can we not do it in the toilet next time? <laughs> well, this is where the strobe lights are, so <laughs> this, we'll take it. <laughs> Thanks for your time, mate. Mate, thank you. And to all your listeners, keep smiling. Cheers. And there you have it. I'll say it again. Undoubtedly one of the funniest guys and most intriguing perceptions of the world that I've been lucky enough to share part of my journey with. Don has overcome many adversities in his life and really learned how to perceive them in a way that has allowed him to grow and develop. Always remember, you are in control of your own perception. Your reality is shaped by your perception of the world. If you like this episode, please jump onto your podcast app and give us a five-star review. This helps immensely for me to be able to continue delivering value to you. It doesn't matter what app you're using, whether it's Apple Podcasts, which is formerly known as iTunes Podcast, whether it's Podcast Addict or Stitcher or whatever it is. You guys subscribing and downloading each episode is what keeps this podcast alive. And also, please share with your friends, your family, your community, and everyone you believe will benefit from this podcast. Don't forget to give me your feedback on what you loved and what you want to hear more of, so what value I can help bring into your reality. Reach out to us on social media, so Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Life for Excellence. That's at L-I-F-E-F-O-R-X-L-N-S. And you can also find us at Your Life of Impact. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.